Hey, welcome back to the Football Die podcast with the three of us back together again. Three's obviously the magic number at the business end of the season, bringing the big guns out. How are you guys? Good to see you both. Nice to uh, actually see you actually do the podcast in the last few weeks of my absence. So cheers for that. Miles, how are you, mate? Yeah, all good. Thank you, man. Even though my season's kind of uh, petered out to nothing, not really watching Villa do much. And to be honest, I'd probably be quite happy if they lost both of their next two games, but I'll explain why later, I'm sure. Wow. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's bleak. Yeah. So you know what? If anyone's going to relate to wanting the season to be over, it's me and Dave. Dave, how are you, man? You're all right. Yeah, great. Thanks. Yeah. Um, good. Wanted the season to end since about halfway. <laughs> the probably, yeah. Halfway through, you still had some hope. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know. When, we, when Solskjaer was in charge, it was a bit grim as well, but it's actually got worse. But yeah, let's not dwell on United anymore. I think we've done play this season, weekend. Though. I know. Dominating conversation still. What will dominate conversation is the FA Cup final, obviously. That uh, was a tense affair, wasn't it? Quite exciting, quite uh, quite lively. And another nil-nil to show for it after 90 minutes. But Liverpool win on penalties. The first um, time that the Klopp's lifted the FA Cup, isn't it, under Chelsea? It's the final one in his, his trophy collection, so something for them to, to celebrate. But Chelsea, third cup defeat in a row, third cup the final defeat in a row, which is uh, gutting for them. What a way to lose. I mean, it was incredible to see Edouard Mendy save the penalty from um, Mane, wasn't it? His, his bloody Senegal teammate. And you thought then maybe the tide's turning, but Miles, as soon as Mason Mount missed that penalty, you just knew, didn't you? It was just set up for Liverpool to take it. To be honest, we just all save ourselves some time and go back and find the the episode we recorded for the Carabao Cup and cut and paste a few things in from that because it was it was just like watching the same game again. I yeah. do feel for Mason Mount. That's the added uh, added change this time because he's obviously progressed amazingly over the last few years, but just seems to have this Wembley hoodoo that he just he can't get over and. Sadly, it was his penalty in the end that kind of settled it for Chelsea. Not to forget that Aspilicueta missed one too. And yeah. You imagine their captain to kind of be the reliable one there. But I didn't feel very confident when he stepped up and clearly neither did he. So, how many, how many times is it he's lost at Wembley or in the sixth, final? Man? It's his sixth one now. He lost, he lost. I'm going to remind you of the first one because it's brilliant. He lost to Villa in the playoff final when he was at Derby. He's now lost, what, three FA Cups? And the Euros and the League Cup, isn't it? That's that's a really bad luck, isn't it? Shocking yeah. bad luck. Yeah. And do you know what? The penalties were odd because there was a few takers. I was thinking, why is he taking a penalty? Um, in that order as well. I mean, as Piliqueta, I know he wants to go out on a high, but why is he taking a penalty when he did so early in the running order? It was mental, wasn't it? But then, why is Mane taking a penalty against Mendy? He must have seen him take penalties so many times over the last season. I just don't understand it, but it's Liverpool's Still. trophy, Dave. How are you feeling about that second trophy of the season out of a potential quadruple? What do you reckon? Is it on? <laughs> I hope not. But um... <laughs> I'm going to interject there, though, Dave, because I mean, you've got to give credit where it's due. They've been brilliant this season, Liverpool. I said at the start of the season, I think we all did, fourth place was as, as good as it looked for them. But they've surpassed all expectations and the potential disruption of the Africa Cup of Nations hasn't done anything to them, really. So you've got to give credit where it's due, surely. Oh, yeah. And I think the additions that they've made um, in the window has definitely helped. I feel as though Luis Diaz has stepped up um, when he's needed to and provided some important moments, some good goals and some assists. And um, it's what we've seen all the best teams in, you know, over the years. They've had depth in those you know, uh, match-winning positions, you know, up front and in defence. And um, 
the additions of Canate and Luis Diaz have been like two really, really good additions for them, it hopes to say. But mm. um, I think we all think they're going to be favourites in the Champions League final. Real Madrid have obviously mm. you know, come from behind so many times this season and we're just kind of waiting to see when, we won't say look, but they've had a little bit of luck here and there, but is it going to be one step too far for them? I don't anticipate that Man City will will lose um, or drop points against Villa. <laughs> wow, we'll talk about that in a moment, but that's a bold statement, Dave. But um, yeah, I think the quadruple is still on. Obviously, we'll talk about the Premier League in a moment and Man City losing points uh, to West Ham. Deservedly, it has to be said. But the FA Cup final, Miles, what did you make of this nil-nil? Like you said, copy and paste of the Carabao was pretty thrilling. The margins were so fine again. I think even Jurgen Klopp said if Chelsea had won it, he couldn't have had any complaints. Mm. Who was the better team in the 90 minutes, do you reckon? I'm not even sure I could pick a better team, to be honest. It was very even, as these two sides have been pretty much every time they've met this season. Um, I think it lacked a clinical nature from Chelsea. Obviously, Lukaku's had a very indifferent season and really this might have been his moment to come to the forefront and, and take a, a trophy for Chelsea and really cement that number nine role for next season because there is some uncertainty over that with Havertz in that kind of area and Werner still around as well. I thought it was very odd, by the way, that Werner didn't get on the pitch. Mm. Really looked like they could have done with him. And Pulisic, honestly, I think he's a Liverpool fan. He just, he, he couldn't hit the goal. He just he missed a target every single time he had the, the chance to, to probably give Chelsea the win because it looked like it was only going to take one goal. But no, I think Liverpool played very well. I think it was it was a brilliant performance from from Trent. I thought he looked really really sharp. Yeah. He defended well. He read the game really well. Um, and I think the midfield was strong considering they were missing Fabinho and everyone kind of earmarked that as a potential weakness for them and where Chelsea could maybe have some joy, it, it, it didn't seem it at all. And it shows how well Klopp's done at bedding in players like Thiago. I think yeah. last season, none of us were particularly overwhelmed with, with Thiago Alcantara. We all expected a lot from him and maybe didn't see it. And then this season, the dynamic he's developed with Fabinho and either Cater or Henderson yeah. or Milner or Curtis Jones on the odd occasion seems to be a lot more fluid. And again, Liverpool, I just thought, managed the game very well. It was, yeah, it was it was a fairly good nil-nil, but I just think both mm. teams lacked that final bit of quality up front. And you don't really expect that from either side. Maybe if Salah mm. plays more in the game, Liverpool are a bit more, more clinical. Maybe if Werner or Havertz had been on the pitch for Chelsea, they would have been a bit more clinical. It's hard yeah. to say. It's a strange one because Liverpool hit the hit the woodwork so many times, didn't they? So they could have, you know, they were inches away from actually getting a goal in, in normal time. And... Like you said, Luis Diaz was was great. He's really yeah. exciting player. Like he's been there. It looks like he's been there for the whole season, but you forget yeah. it's a January signing. So Liverpool scouting has, has paid off again. They've done really well in the transfer market. And I think that's what is the difference between them and a bigger spending team is that they're scouting accurately. They can't afford to make mistakes and they, they get it right most of the time lately. So Which, you know, that's off to them. That's really funny as well, because actually not that long ago, you would have said that Liverpool's signings were the thing that were letting them down. If you think mm -hmm. about when they sold Torres, obviously they brought Suarez in, but they spent that money on Andy Carroll. They've had some very odd midfielders come in over the last few years. But since Klopp's come in and kind of mm -hmm. taken a bit more charge of those areas, Liverpool's investment over the last five years, let's say, incredible. If you look at the money that they spent on the likes of Mane 
or Salah or even Firmino. Obviously, he was a bit before that and he's sort of starting to fall a bit behind the, the pecking order now. But Jota, were any right. other elite clubs coming in for those players at that time? Well, probably not. But somehow they've become the most wanted prospects in, in, in football. And I think that there's got to be a lot of credit for the business Liverpool have done, including Diaz, as Dave says, yeah. and Canate. Looks like he's fitting in really well. It's just going to be interesting now to see how much the Liverpool squad are ready for the Champions League final because yeah. it didn't look good, did it? Alisson obviously had a knock in the first half. Fabinho wasn't there. Salah went off. Van Dijk went off, although that might have just been fatigue. It's going to be an interesting end. Yeah, they're limping towards the quadruple if that's what they're aiming for. It's um, yeah, testing the squad to the limit, isn't it, really? Uh, Dave, a word on Chelsea, if you can. Their third FA Cup final loss in a row. Um, sounds horrible to say. For the players that have been involved in all three, you know, that's a crushing feeling, surely. And Mason Matt must feel absolutely terrible. Where do they go from here? How do they evaluate their season? Because we had really high hopes for Chelsea. And this has to go down as a huge failure to not come away with a trophy and potentially lose fourth place at one point. It looked like they were, you know, sliding down the top four. Are Chelsea going to look back at this season and go, yeah, we did okay considering everything we've been through? Yeah, and it was a case of deja vu again, I feel, in this game. Mm. Like Mark's already said, it was very similar to the Carabao final. And um, I, I was surprised that Lukaku played, to be honest. Um Particularly as some of the Giltes chances that he did miss, I think it was in particularly in the first half, we saw him miss chances against Real Madrid. So, and obviously that came back to uh, came back to haunt them in that they just aren't taking these chances in in these big games when they're such, you know, games are decided so kind of in such tiny small moments in games it can you know really determine. A win or a loss, and unfortunately, they just couldn't couldn't make those decisive um, moments happen. And <laughs> you already mentioned Mason Matt and his um, his look at, at Wembley. I'm sure he's dreading his next Wembley final. We hope he doesn't have to play there again. But um, yeah, they, they they you've got to kind of commend them. Really, I think they came into this final on the back of sort of like an indifference spell. They were. I always felt that they will, they will be able to step up, though. You always feel this Chelsea team, they've got so many good players that you feel as though they'll they'll give you know City or Liverpool a really difficult game. And we've seen it over the last couple of years. Yeah. And a two-call team is, you know, it's not easy to beat. So um, I think you've got to give them a bit of praise there, really. I think there, there's a few players in there, like we mentioned, as a team are coming to the end of the cycle. We don't, there's rumours about Conte. Um, potentially on the way out, it's been with Man United. Um, obviously, Rudiger's on the way out. As Pelicueta, we don't really know what's going to happen with him. So it's going to be interesting times. And obviously, with the club, uh, the future of the club is a little bit up in the air. So yeah. I'm sure a lot of Chelsea fans are sort of, you know, probably a little bit apprehensive, really, um, with what's going on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer. It's well, I was going to say, regardless of um, the way the season's panned out and regardless of whatever happens after this, uh, behind the scenes at the club, Miles, what do they do next? What do they need to, to grow and to move forward from this season? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It is so weird to even try and analyse where Chelsea are at now because yeah. this season, 
probably is a failure in terms of what their expectations would have been. And look, they were out of the running for the league title before everything happened with Abramovich. So let's not get twisted and say that that was the only thing that influenced it. But they will have expected more from Lukaku. I think mm. they've got a lot of hope on, on I think that's a big worry, really. Yeah. But that that was kind of central to their plans, wasn't it? And without that that clicking, it has it has been difficult. They did win the the European Super Cup and they won the Club World Cup this season. They can take that at least as something to try and build on, even if we don't necessarily recognise it as the most monumental win. But yeah. I think it's hard to assess what's next for Chelsea because even with new ownership lurking, there's no guarantee that that new ownership will be like Abramovich and spend the money that they were going to, even if it is someone that is incredibly wealthy and it's going to have to be to put up the kind of sums that Chelsea require, are they going to want to make the same kind of losses that Abramovich was prepared to take for the kind of other agendas, let's say, that he had on his mind at the time? It's hard to see where Chelsea go because there's a lot that needs addressing. Dave mentioned then about the end of a cycle for a lot of players. They're going to lose Rudiger. We know that he's going to Abramovich. Christensen looks like he's going to Barcelona, along with potentially Marcus Alonso and Aspilicueta. So that's four key defenders gone straight yeah. away. And all of a sudden, the depth they have is Trevor Chalobah, who I think is a very good player, to be fair. And Thiago Silva will be 38 next season, I think. <laughs> and it, look, that guy doesn't seem to be aging. He, he's still fantastic. No. But after a while, you can't put too much hope in that. And we don't know when they're going to be able to do any transfer visits. Is Malang going to be their star centre-back next season? I think the worrying, the worrying thing is, as well, is let's not be naive and think, oh, you know, clubs stop talking to players when the transfer open, transfer window opens. You know, there's players will be talking to their agents and agents will be talking to other clubs now. Just mm. obviously, the season's not even ended yet. Yeah. So I think that's the worrying thing for Chelsea and Chelsea fans. Because look from the outside is looking in, thinking, you know, the club can't guarantee that they will be able to get this player in yeah. here and now, or they don't know when they'll be able to get a player in with the situation they're in. So mm. I think, I think in a way, as it, it's a bit weird saying this, but as a United fan, at least we kind of know the mess that we're in, what we need to, obviously the players that we need in, what players will be already on the way out, mm. and. I think there's a there's just so much uncertainty around that that Chelsea team, the squad. And yeah. Like and you mentioned, Miles. I think Lukaku situation that's a massive mess again because. And the other thing is this this trophy would have at least given them something to kind of galvanise the group of players that are there, and it is frustrating for Chelsea because actually, I don't think you can say they deserve to lose this final. I'm not saying that Liverpool did either, to be honest. But it, like you said, it was fine, fine margins again, but. At the end of the day, those margins don't matter. It's not measured on margins. They don't have the trophy. So it's such an odd circumstance to find yourself in. Like Dave says, the negotiation process, what players are we seeing Chelsea linked with? We've seen a lot of Chelsea players linked elsewhere, but yeah. none being linked with them. We talked before we started recording briefly about some of the massive names that are available this summer. Dybala's said goodbye to Juventus. Lewandowski might be leaving Bayern Munich. Mm. Mbappe's still out of contract. Haaland's just agreed a move. Now, a year, two years ago, Chelsea are in the conversation for all of those players. Absolutely. They're not now because they literally can't be. 
So those players will all get snapped up in the meantime because Chelsea will be slow to act. And then what do they do? Where, how, do how do they then close that gap between themselves, Liverpool and City next season? Because that's yeah. a big gap. Well, I've got very little sympathy for a team that stockpile players for years. So they won't struggle for players. They've got Colin Gallagher still on their books. They've got Armando Brogia still on the books. They've yeah, got some quality coming back into the team. So I won't lose any sleep about Chelsea being able to field a, a decent team. You know, they'll still compete. But yeah, the point stands. They were European champions. Um, not Well, they still are, but not so long ago. They were lifting the trophy. They were the pinnacle of European football. And with Tuchel in charge, they did look kind of unbeatable, didn't they? They had an aura of invincibility about them. They started the yeah. season really well. We were doing a podcast saying, wow, Chelsea look ominously good. This looks impressive. Mm. And it didn't take much for that to sort of be disrupted, did it? And um, yeah. acquisitions like Lukaku, mm. I think, disrupted the dressing room massively. I don't know how much input Tuchel would have had in signing Lukaku, but it doesn't strike me as a Tuchel signing, to be honest. I think he needed a different kind of forward player. So it's a bit of a square peg in a round hole there, he seems. Well, it didn't seem it at the time, though. A lot of us earmarked him. Well, I, I didn't. You two earmarked him as golden boot winner this season. Yeah. And I, I did say I thought he would do really well at Chelsea because he did. he's done well in the Premier League before. He had a point to prove after his time at Man United. His game had come on massively since Inter Milan. But he just doesn't seem happy there, which is bizarre yeah. because this was his dream move. But that's the thing. I think it's all about the character of the squad to make Tuchel's team work well. And that's why I'm thinking maybe Abramovich wanted to bring um, Lukaku back to the squad just out of sentimental reasons. Coming back yeah. home to Chelsea, they made a pretty big deal out of it, didn't they? So did he fit the, the quality and character of the team that he was building? Definitely not in hindsight, but hindsight's a beautiful thing. Looking back, he looks like uh, yeah, a fish out of water there at the minute. It's been there for him to score the goals. You know, yeah. the top score, Mo Salah's 22 goals this season. I mean, that's not not a great deal. Um, Man City, their, their collection of strikers have sort of spread it out, not mm. scored. And, you know, Chelsea, who's Chelsea's top scorer? I can't even Good think. Point. It is. I bet not a lot of it. Could be mine. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question, David. A good point, to be fair. Uh, I'm going to move on to Liverpool because they have won a trophy. It's worth celebrating the fact on their behalf that they've won a trophy. Um, the Premier League beckons next as the next leg of their, their quadruple that they're aiming for. And it's a point between them now. Um, Man City drew to all with West Ham. Uh, which was a great result, wasn't it? It was a great... Well, sorry, yeah. I'm taking the fact that the We're game is... Happened, it it's a, it's a, <laughs> It could be a point between them at the moment as we speak, as we record, it's four. Four um, seven. But if they were to win that game in hand, as we expect them to, to beat Southampton, then that point is now making the final day look really, really tasty. So are you thinking that this is cities to lose now? I mean, of course it is, but they play Aston Villa, of course, which is by no means an easy game. And there's a bit of spice there with the fact that Gerard's at Villa, the fact that Coutinho's at Villa permanently now, which is amazing. Yeah, incredible. 17 million. Yeah, bargain. Absolute bargain. But um, I'll stay with you, Miles. Your thoughts on the final day of the Premier League? Assuming, as I probably shouldn't do, disrespect Southampton like I just did, Liverpool (laughs) beat them, and and it goes to the final game. How do you think it'll play out? City are going to win it. I'm 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 very confident of that. Villa, for all of their promise and good football at times, they really, really struggle against the bigger teams. I don't think we've taken points from a side above us in the league under Gerard. Well, no, that's not true anymore because we took a point from Palace. I think the top eight we've not taken points from. So um City will beat us. It, they they don't have to worry about that. 
<laughs> There's no quadruple for Liverpool, sorry. <laughs> right, okay. So is it that cut and dry for you, Dave? I was trying to find some narrative where there probably is none, but Dave, <laughs> is it game over in the title race or could Liverpool actually pull off the unthinkable on the final day? I don't think... I think it's... If Villa are at home, I'd give them 20% chance. But I, right. I, I can't see it happening. I just... Just how good City are as well, and just how they play, they pass the ball around you, they control play. They will wear that Villa team down. If they get an early goal, the floodgates will open, and it'll be it'll be an easy afternoon for them. But the, as time goes, obviously we've seen pressure build, but I just feel as though they've done it so many times in the Premier League um, mm. over the last few years. They they know how to close out this season and. I'm hoping these words don't come back to bite me. <laughs> well, the question I've got for you is, Dave, that obviously it was a two-all draw against West Ham, a very good West Ham team. You know, they've put many big teams through their paces this season and Jared Bowen once again was outstanding. But the amount of injuries to their back four is making them look pretty vulnerable at the back, isn't it? They do look vulnerable to, to counters, to players that get in their faces like Bowen and Antonio did. And... I mean, who were they missing this time around? Diash was out, Stones was out, Walker was out. They put Fernandinho at centre-back. What must Nathan Ake be thinking sitting there on the bench, you know, seeing a veteran midfielder take his place in the, in the, in the back four? Surely Ake must start in the final game, really, after that uh, sort of horror show of, uh, against West Ham. He looked very vulnerable to pace, didn't he? But can Man City be, be got at by, by Villa? I think, yeah, they'll be looking at Watkins to make those runs in behind. And I feel they'll be trying to get Coutinho on ball in those areas where they can. They feel they can they can hurt City. But it's just, yeah. I feel as though, you know, how many times have Man City lost two games or dropped two point, drop points two games in a row this season? It's not. And the thing is, Pep will be looking at the areas that, you know, they just didn't perform in. Zinchenko had probably had worse games than Man City. He was probably at fault for those two goals and just kind of how he had such a lack of discipline in that in his positioning he just let them you know get in behind and it was so easy for West Ham particularly that goal on half time was so crucial because you felt yeah. if it went in you know one one behind you thought you know that's a big comeback and still win this game and you still yeah. felt that turning down but yeah, you might be right. You might be right then that Ake could start in place of Fernandinho. Um, it's looking like it's going to be Fernandinho's last season as well. So um, mm. I just feel as though them being at home, the I feel like as though the pressure won't be on quite as much as it was mm. in that game. I think that was the big one against West Ham. And if they had lost, you know, it could have been a, a, a last-day shootout in, mm. uh, in goal. So... <laughs> Um, I yeah. think that I'm sure they'll just be thankful that they got the point in the end. Well, they were lucky not to get the three with Riyad Mahrez missing another penalty. He's had a sketchy penalty record this season so far, oh. hasn't he? But Miles, I go back to the Villa point. I can I can honestly see a bit of spice there. I can see Gerald being pretty up for this. You know, he's, he he could actually live win Liverpool the title for the first time, not even it's being good. a player. Do you know it's what I mean? Do you know what? <laughs> we actually put in a really good performance against Liverpool midweek last week, I thought we looked we brilliant and probably deserved something from the game. And I was so desperate for us to derail Liverpool's title bid. 
partly because I hate Liverpool, but <laughs> mainly because I'm tired of the, oh, could Gerard win Liverpool the title narrative? I hate it. He's Villa manager. He's trying to get Villa into the top half. He's not trying to win Liverpool the title. So I kind of wanted us to beat Liverpool and then get spanked by City on the last day of the season just to shut people up a little bit. But no, I, I mentioned earlier that I wouldn't mind seeing us lose our two games. I'm obviously kind of joking because you never want to see your team lose. But mm. Villa are over absolutely nothing now. I don't want Liverpool to win the league. I also don't really want Burnley to get relegated because I would love to see Everton go down. So we've got we've got Burnley this week and then City. <laughs> City on the final day. Blimey. Talk about influencing the well, top and the bottom. I think you mentioned there about Gerard and you know wanting Liverpool to win the league. I actually feel like he was generally you know, genuinely really aggrieved not to get something out of that game yeah. against Liverpool. You could see it. And you could yeah. see it in his post-match interview. Um, when he was asked about John Moss and, you know, his performance on the pitch and um, <laughs> his comments on uh, when he said, oh, he's, he's retiring at the end of the season. And he was like, is he? Good. Good. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> blunt, wasn't he? Uh, just quickly, I know you mentioned it then, but I do want to just have a quick moment while we've somehow straight to Villa that... Getting Coutinho on a permanent basis means a lot for next season, I think. Gerard mentioned in an interview the other day that when they were in talks with Luca Dean, one of the things he asked was, how's things progressing with Coutinho and wow. vice versa? And it is true, when you're trying to bring in a bigger player or you're trying to up the profile of your squad a little bit, they want to see that it's there. They want to see something that's being built. And Villa are being linked with some very big players all of a sudden that yeah. don't seem possible. The biggest one I keep reading, and if somehow Villa pulled this off, I'd be ecstatic, is Jonathan David. Yeah, and impressive. Amazing signing that would be. Looking at him, Kamara from Marseille. Villa all of a sudden could be a bit more influential in the the race for a few things next season and actually because they're competing in it rather than they're just going to get battered by the teams that are competing but no City have won the title and it's it's getting that Grealish is going to win the Premier League against Villa but hey ho I'm going to disagree. I'm, I've got this horrible feeling that they're going to mess up and I think Liverpool will snatch it and they'll absolutely revel in it and we will feel absolutely horrendous and they'll win the quadruple. I'm, I'm, I've obviously got this sick feeling in my stomach that it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't because it'd I'm, be unbearable. I'm quite sure Real Madrid are going to win the Champions League as well. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll say yeah. it on, on, on the podcast. I'll be the guy that goes against Liverpool I'm recording. I'm, I'm quite confident Real Madrid are going to win the Champions League. I just think that... They, they've talked about it being that they've overcome a few things and got a bit of luck and stuff. I just look at it as they have got what it, this competition, they know this competition. They know yeah. they are never beaten and they, they own it. And I honestly think, particularly if Liverpool's injuries don't clear up and they're without Fabinho. And if I don't know what the verdict on salary is. Do you, have you guys heard anything? No. I think the last time that one that does actually give me a little bit of hope was um, the last time Liverpool came up against Real Madrid I think Vinicius tore them to shreds Potentially I mean Benzema's the key isn't he oh. I think that will be a, a, a key area where they can take advantage of that Liverpool get high up the pitch you can get Vinicius on the ball when he's in, in the mood and he'll be able to hurt them him, him linking with Benzema has been a joy to watch this season so 
So, yeah. yeah. We will no doubt wrap up the European tournaments as and when they arrive on the pod. Uh, but we'll go back to the Premier League now for yeah. the weekend's games. And they all played together on Sunday. And there were some, obviously, very routine, routine victories, routine games, a lot of teams on the beach, but still plenty to play for. And the relegation scrap still has a lot of question marks. There's still a couple of teams with an extra game in hand to play. Obviously, that counts for very little any time this season. We've seen that plenty of times with Burnley this season, haven't we? But Everton lose to Brentford, capitulate, get two players sent off. All of a sudden, their last two games look very tricky and they're not out of the picture yet. I thought they'd put together a very good run of form and were out of the woods, really, for relegation. But yeah. no, there's still so much riding on the next two, next two games. Um, clearly, Leeds are in deep trouble. Uh, they scraped a, a hard-earned point, really, didn't they? Um, so they're still fighting but it is still very much a fight and Burnley I've got two games in hand over both a game in hand over both of them and two games still to play so the permutations are <laughs> confusing um as to who could get what it depends on the opposition who turns up on the day who's up for it the most what's your thoughts Miles it's become literally almost a a, a neck and neck tie isn't it for the last couple of games which is amazing for the neutral but for every single fan of each of those clubs it must be absolutely nerve-wracking it's really hard to call now isn't it like you say i think i think everton have got two games left as well i can't remember who the one of them is but i know they've got arsenal on the last day leeds obviously pulled themselves out of the relegation zone and put burnley in it but burnley played villa midweek and who knows because mm. like i say villa are on the beach now they're not really doing much um and i think the palace game kind of showed that and it's 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 nice to see that there is something to be fought for, but it's just hilarious that no one actually wants to fight for safety. Instead, they seem to be fighting for the championship. Whoever has been doing the the championship's PR recently has obviously been successful <laughs> because they all want to be a part of it next season. It seems, except maybe Leeds, who did actually. I thought they fought really well against Brighton in the end. They obviously went one yeah. down to that Welbeck goal, and then they had a lot of chances to get back into the game and. I'm glad that they got the point. I'm glad that it is as tight as it is now going into the last week because it should be. We should have something to go for. And there's a lot for these teams to play for now. I mean, Leeds have got yeah. Brentford. Now, in theory, Brentford aren't playing for anything. That should be a nice and easy one. But ask Everton if that's the case. It's clearly not. Everton are playing Arsenal, who are obviously pushing for the top four. And Burnley saw why that was difficult this week when they lost to Tottenham. And then obviously... Burnley, I don't know what to make of them, man. I'm, a, I'm, no. I'm worried about them again now because now they are in the bottom three. Even with that game, they're the ones that's got it. It's, it's impossible to tell. They've got think... all of a sudden. It's hard. What's uh, Burnley's last game of the season? I can't remember. Uh, I think they've got Villa next, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, we have got Villa next. That would be that's a tough game anyway. And they're, they're home to Newcastle. That puts huge pressure on Leeds, that does, if they, if they get out of the... Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it is Newcastle. They're at home to Newcastle. Wow, um, OK. There's still so many question marks there as well. Mm. Yeah. Newcastle, Newcastle are Newcastle. Night, aren't they? Yeah. So Newcastle are going to have a say in both the top four and the relegation one way or another. Fascinating. OK, I'm going to press you for an answer then. Who's going down? Davey first. I just think... Some reason I feel like Burnley are going to go down just because they've lost a little bit of momentum the last few weeks. We all were all of a sudden we thought you know Mike Jackson came, from, you know, he got a good couple of results, uh, and it almost looked like they built a bit of momentum. And it's kind of just 
gone downhill a little bit um, of late. And you'd expect them to get a result against Villa, whether, you know, the minimum a point, they need at least a point. Um, Because they've got so much to play for, you'd imagine they'd be, you know, up for it. But, you know, it's a funny old game and uh, pressure's off Villa, they'll go out there and enjoy the football. And so I, I think Burnley will go down. I just think Leeds have managed to get snatch a couple of decent results of late. They seem to be, you know, fighting for their lives, as do Everton. Everton aren't as terrible as they were earlier on in the season. So yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> this weekend Everton were awful. Absolutely yeah, they awful. They're defensively so bad without Yeri Mina. They just don't know what to do without him. This weekend it was like Every single one of their players was on a mission to see if they could be the one to send their club down. Coleman gets an own goal. They get Rondon's tackle was disgusting. Honestly, oh. it looked like something a a forty five year old who'd been out on the lash would do on a Sunday league morning. It was ridiculous. Oh. I think Everton as well, particularly the last couple of games before this one, they've definitely been saved by Jordan Pickford. He has, he's had yeah. really good saves. Um, in, the, in the two games before that and probably dug them out of a hole. So they can probably feel fortunate to to be in the position that they are now. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see, but I think I think that, I think think that Burnley will go down this time. What are you saying, Miles? Are you uh, obviously thinking Leeds, I'm guessing? No, I don't actually think I do think Leeds. It's, it's, it's so hard to call. I can see Leeds winning their last game, to be honest. They've got Brentford last day of the season. And I do think that Leeds as a team, over the last few seasons in particular, have shown a lot of fight. And when yeah. they're up against this adversity, I, 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 I can see Leeds. If Leeds, it comes down to one game, I can see Leeds getting the win, I'll be honest. Then you look at it, Burnley have got Villa and Newcastle. Neither of them are playing for anything. There's points to be got there. They only need one point to draw a level with Leeds currently, and they've got a much better goal difference. That's Leeds' other problem. They have to win their last game because their goal yeah. difference is terrible. Everton, even though they're two points above Burnley and there's two clubs below them, if they don't beat Palace on Thursday, they're down. I honestly think that. Because Arsenal, yeah. have, Arsenal have to win the last game of the season, no matter what. Even if they beat Newcastle this evening, they're going to have to win that last game to keep Spurs at bay. And I wouldn't want to be Everton in that game. Although Arsenal, mm-hmm. Arsenal shows Spurs that they have in the, to ruin their own season as well. That's going to be a match of who wants it the most in the least comical way, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you don't really know what you're going to get with Palace either. You know, they can turn yeah. on them, play really well, play the, the opposition team off the park. We've seen it happen over the last couple of years, get big results against, you know, the likes of Man City and mm. they've got real potential as a team. So that won't be an easy game. No, I think Palace are playing for top ten. I think every single yeah, position on the table that carries an extra sort of half million to a million pounds extra prize money. And Palace will be looking to that and going, that's motivation. Aside from actually saying at the end of the season, Patrick Vieira finished tenth or whatever it might be with Palace against all the odds with a, a stack of things riding against him that would have been a massive achievement so motivation i think is there for palace whether we admit admit it or not we might look at it as a nothing to play for but i disagree and i I agree with you miles if everton lose their next game that is psychologically game over 
But then I also think psychologically, this, the weakest team out of those three is probably Burnley. Without Sean Dyche, I feel like they're not the same team. They're not psyched. They're better without Sean Dyche. I think they're better without Sean Dyche. I think they've shown that. I, they weren't that bad against Spurs, if we're 100% honest. They lost to a Harry Kane penalty this weekend in a very, very hard fixture. Spurs are obviously gunning for top four. They've come off the back of a really good win against Arsenal, who were embarrassing. To be honest, they, they they did the same same as Everton and just decided that they were going to be the ones to destroy their own <laughs> fate this time. They got away with it a little bit, the fact that they already had that cushion. But I, I wouldn't look at Burnley's last result and go, oh yeah, that puts them in trouble. I'd rather yeah. look at Everton drawing to Watford and think that puts you in trouble. True. It's difficult. I, mm. I said I thought Everton would go a few weeks ago, so I'll stick with it for now. Okay. Um, it's unlikely with two teams below them because they've got that cushion and it relies on both of those teams picking up at least one win. Yeah, it's pressure for all teams and it's how do who deals with it the best, I think. And then the the fight that the opposition puts up, there's so many different permutations and there's even the real possibility that Leeds could go down on goal difference as well, which yeah, would be yeah. actually pretty hilarious, you know. In a season that's not giving Man United fans much, Leeds going down on goal difference would be pretty funny. Are, so. are Leeds at home or are they away that last game? I don't know, actually. Good question. Um, do you think that, that changes a lot for you then, Dave, if they're at home? Yeah, definitely. If it's last game of the season and, it, yeah. you know, their Premier League fate is at, you know, at stake, then 100%. They're away at Brentford for the final game. So, it's a tough one. Might be Ericsson's last game for the club as well, so... I think I think he's he's had pretty good talks apparently. Nothing's confirmed, but from what I read the other day, he said he was quite he was considering staying. Okay. Either way, interesting game. Um, oh, while okay. I'm on, while we've mentioned top four, actually, Miles, I'll push you for your thoughts on that. So North London derby has happened now. Um, Spurs won the North London derby quite convincingly, mm. thanks to a capitulation. <laughs> um, Spurs did. Arsenal lose it. <laughs> Yeah, Spurs coasted to victory. Arsenal handed it to them on a plate, really, yeah. didn't they? But myself and Dave were sort of saying Tottenham deserve top four, but Arsenal are the favourites. Do you still feel that's the case after the North London derby's been and gone? Do I think Spurs deserve it and Arsenal are the favourites? Um, right, I, I think Arsenal deserve it, if I'm honest, purely because no one expected Arsenal to be anywhere near the top four this season. Maybe you'd say... The same of Spurs when you consider it with Nuno in charge when they Definitely. first started. But Spurs, on paper, had a better squad to start this season than Arsenal did. But Arsenal have continued to develop as a unit. If you look at the signings that they made, I think we on this podcast probably said some of them were absolutely mental. Spending £50 million on Ben White, bringing in Ramsdale after two relegations, bringing in a defender mm. from Italy that no one else wanted to look at in Tomiyasu. And they've all ended up being brilliant for them, really. It's a very, very young squad. They showed that youth in the Spurs game because they just didn't have anyone to manage the game properly. And holding, I don't know, I don't know what happened to him. Look, he's not the most amazing defender in the world, but what he yeah. does do is the basics normally. He's quite calm. So this game, he just he just seemed too wound. It seemed like Son got in his head, to be honest, and that was it. But I think yeah. Arsenal deserve it. Obviously, I want to see Arsenal get it over Spurs, um, mainly because it will relegate Everton, and that'd be really funny. No, I'm joking. Um, and I, I think Spurs might be the favourites now, though, because if you look at it, we talked about games in hand. You'd always rather have the points than the games in hand, and Spurs are currently fourth. 
Now, all right, you think Newcastle probably aren't playing for much. Isn't that such an Arsenal game to lose? It really is. Yeah, you're right. Massively. And then and then Everton on the final day. All right, I, I think Arsenal will beat them. But Everton will have something to play for, we imagine, unless they beat Palace. And then in which case, Arsenal can be very, very happy. Mm. Spurs have got Norwich on the final day. Easy. Yeah, you're oh, right. We said that the other year when they lost 4-0 to Newcastle on the final day, didn't they? So, who knows? This is a different Spurs. That's what I mean. The Antonio Conte team yeah. is so different yeah. to the Nuno team. It's so different exactly. to the Mourinho team. Yeah. He's, he's levelled them up. And I think as a, as a management appointment, he's absolutely spot on. I think he'd have actually got something out of this Man United squad if he was appointed when yeah. he was. Um, I think that now is, is kind of proving beyond doubt. He's made Tottenham suddenly look like contenders again for, for trophies. You can see them kicking on next season if he stays there. Well, they should be. Yeah. If you look at top, which squad would you rather have, Tottenham or Arsenal's? I think Tottenham's needs more work, though, to be fair. Arsenal's is going through that work now. So yeah. they're ahead of the evolution compared to Tottenham. But yeah, in terms of world-class players, there's none in the Arsenal team to talk of, I don't think. Probably Odegaard, potentially. Mm-hmm. But Spurs have got some outstanding players. Yeah, I, I'd take that Spurs squad over the yeah. Arsenal squad any day for now. I think yeah. Arsenal have got a, a great potential of how to develop, but they need some heavy investment in the summer. One thing I will say about Spurs this season is in the big games, they've actually gone toe-to-toe with some of the best yeah. teams and got results. Um, look at Arsenal, the City game, for instance. True. They were a better team and they threw it away. By being, you know, their naive souls, and we're seeing yeah. them so many times over here. This game was a, it was the same again. They, they, I just felt as though they were a little bit naive in their approach. You, you could kind of, ex, you know, you kind of expected Spurs, you know, a Conte team to sort of sit in quite organised and pick their moments to, to kind of really, you know, attack Arsenal and you know damage them. And we saw that they yeah. were just literally brutal on, on the break. Well, and um, it's, it, it's it's almost like Arteta just kind of doesn't want to change suit. He's mm. you know wants to play his way. You know, as yeah. we've seen in the City mm. team, the Pep Guardiola, he only knows one way to play, and I think that really came came back to sort of um, to haunt him. Really, the good thing for them is I've just seen that this evening Gabriel and Ben White have both started, so that's that's huge for them because. Defensively, they looked so poor against Spurs, didn't they? They were really missing those two. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe that can be enough to get them through. I, I think Arsenal will finish fourth. I think they will. But I think Spurs are probably favourites looking at what happens in the North London mm. derby. Because you also wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal were a bit rocked this evening. Yeah. I also think Spurs will be better equipped for Champions League football now, yeah. next season, than Arsenal. I fear Arsenal might be a bit, a bit in a bit of shell shock if they face some of the teams in the quality of the Champions League right now. True, but it's obvious to everyone that Arsenal need to invest in some areas in the summer. Yeah. Whether they do or not is another story because Arsenal's owners are, are so odd in that area. But they spent money last summer, they backed Arteta, and the players he brought in have worked. So if I'm yeah. the owners and he's got you top four, you've got to give him the money to do something with it. There's massive talk of Gabriel Jesus moving in, which I'm... I'm still not sold on personally. I think they could do better. Um, really? Yeah, Jesus is a, to me. Jesus is Iniesta. He's a number. He's a number nine backup at Man City. I wonder how many goals 
I don't know, pick any Premier League striker, put him in that Man City side, they'd score 10 goals in a season. You put Danny Welbeck up front for Man City and he stays fit all season. I know what you mean. That Ian Acho in that Man City team was, you know, looked a revelation at one yeah. point. Yeah, because and then but really we see his quality when he leaves City. He's not a bad forward. He's a good he's a good striker. He's a Premier League quality striker, of course he is, but he's not gonna be Champions League top level starting every week number nine. And I kind of think that might be the case with Jesus. He's got some talent, he's got some real talent, but I think his decision making's really poor. I think he's a really greedy yeah. forward. And the philosophy that Arsenal seem to have adopted and the team spirit that they've harnessed this season, I don't think Jesus suits that. No. Okay. Well, I think it's a, a I think it's a, a move that makes sense, really, on the face of it, purely because he's played for a team that's super successful. So, from a mentality point of view, he's got a winning mentality, and I think Arsenal haven't got any experience of winning trophies in in their squad. From what I remember, I can't remember any players that have lifted a trophy of note over the last few seasons. Oh, so, yeah, no, mentality wise, he he knows what it takes to win a trophy. Maybe he's going to level up the rest of the team with that mentality. Is he good enough as a striker? I, still, I don't think anyone knows yet, do they? I don't think we've seen the yeah. best of him. And I think every time there's been a big clash between the top two, Chelsea and Liverpool, uh, sorry, Man City and Liverpool, you've always commented, each of you, on why have they picked Jesus for this particular game. And it's usually yeah. because he's not a threat in yeah. this particular situation. So who knows? Sure. But hey, that's um, all to look forward to for the final game of the season. Um, it's it's exciting, it's tense. Our teams in particular have got nothing to play for, but every <laughs> other element is still riding on the final game as we speak. There's still a few games to play midweek, games in hand that have got to be caught up on, which still yet may change the landscape of the Premier League table. So it might be done and dusted by next weekend, but I hope it's not. Just for the spectacle, I hope it's not. Uh, but it just makes next week's podcast that little bit more tasty, I think you'll agree. So stay tuned. We'll be um, on socials as well. We're on we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Um, we will be sort of commenting regularly, really, hopefully, about the things that are going on over the next week. You'll hear from either one of us <laughs> on that platform. But yeah, until then, guys, I can't wait to speak to you next time around. I hope you're all with me next Monday for the, the roundup of the season and the roundup of the final day. Are Come you going to both join me for that? Yeah, 100%. I can't believe how quick it's come around, to be honest. End of the season already. It feels mad that we're talking about the Euros so long ago. So coming up to a year now, and uh, that still feels quite fresh, doesn't it? Yeah, mental. But uh, in the meantime, though, guys, thank you again for joining us. Good to have the three of us back. Um, I like the dialogue when it's the three of us. It's always nice to hear three different points of view. So, yeah, interesting times. And thank you for your time, guys. Thank you for watching again. Please hit like and subscribe if you do get the chance on YouTube. Or hit a follow on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That really does help the channel grow for the future. But until then, thank you, guys. See you soon. Take care. Yeah.